We are one week away from Christmas Eve. How did it get here so fast? It does this every year. We think this year is going to be different. It's never different. It just goes by so quickly. One week from Christmas Eve, which is a good time to remind you. I know you've already heard it, but I'm going to tell you again. Next week's services are different times than our normal Sunday mornings. It's Christmas Eve next Sunday so we're going to do a 10 o'clock service. We normally do a, a service on the 23rd because we know some people have family activities on Christmas Eve that evening. And that's what the 10 o'clock uh, Sunday morning service is going to be. If you've got to get away, if you've got something later that afternoon, wanted you to have an opportunity to be a part of our Christmas Eve services, 10 o'clock. We have one service, no 9.30, no 11, 10 o'clock. And then I know for others of you, it doesn't feel like a Christmas Eve service unless it's later in the day. So we have a 3.30 and a 5. We are trying to make you all happy, okay? You can't blame us for trying. We're doing the best we can. We got a 10 o'clock, a 3.30, and a 5. They're all the same, same music, same message, same candles, uh, all, exactly the same. So be back next Sunday, 10, 3.30. Or five. Hope you're having a great, great Christmas season. We are now in week four of Christmas at the movies, and I'll be honest, it's kind of been difficult uh, covering all of the movies. We may have to do this again next year because I feel like I've just left a whole bunch of really good classics out. Uh, but we've got two more uh, this Sunday, and then next Sunday we're going to carry our Christmas at the movies theme into uh, Christmas Eve. But the movie today debuted in 1993, 1994, 1994. Now, for some of you, that's ancient history. You weren't born in 1994. For others of us, 1994 was like five years ago, right? It just five years. And one, one of my favorite things on the Internet lately is uh, this meme that says, someone said 30 years ago, my mind went, oh, yeah, the 1970s. But they meant 1993, and now I need a moment. Right? <laughs> so some of us are that age where 30 years ago should mean 70s, 80s, something like that, not 1993. Well, yeah, 30 years ago, 1994, this movie came out. It's called The Santa Claus. Uh, it stars Tim Allen, Judge Reinhold, Wendy Crewson, Peter Boyle. Uh, you may not know this, but uh, Chevy Chase and Bill Murray were both offered the lead role and turned it down for different reasons. The starring role went to Tim Allen. Allen was in the first couple of years of the hit television series Home Improvement. How many of you watched Home Improvement? Yes, exactly. Uh, Home Improvement was not only a hit television series. Uh, if you were in church in the mid-90s to early 2000s, every pastor did at least one message series titled Home Improvement. We, we all did it. Some of us pulled it twice, hoping that they would forget the first one. Yeah, everybody got on to this because it was, it was such a... Uh, a family-oriented show and, and a hilarious show, funny show. But it, it creates a bit of a problem. Maybe you're like me. If you if you grew up watching that show, now anytime you see Tim Allen in a role, the only thing you can hear is Tim the Tool Man Taylor. It's just him. It kind of locked him into that character, even though he did lots of other works. Um, Buzz Lightyear, you don't get it as much because you don't see him, right? It's just his voice, so you don't think of Tim the Toolman uh, Taylor quite as much. In the Santa Claus, <clears throat> he plays Scott Calvin. Scott Calvin is a very successful businessman, actually works for a toy company. 
The movie opens with Scott Calvin and one of his uh, co-workers being recognized for being the reason that this particular uh, company had so much success. They're from the Midwestern Marketing and Distribution Team, and they get recognized, and they get honored. So Scott Calvin is wildly successful professionally, but then we learn pretty quickly he's not real successful personally. Um, He's divorced. He's very bitter about his wife's uh, new husband. He has a a bit of a strained relationship with his son, not the greatest relationship with his son. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he wanted to have a better relationship, but he just couldn't quite pull it off. He, he, He didn't really put the effort into it, maybe, which... Uh, one of the underlying themes, I think, of this movie, I'd say it like this, our level of effectiveness and fulfillment is directly related to our level of commitment. Our level of effectiveness and fulfillment is directly related to our level of commitment in any area. I mean, like, this is true for any area uh, in, in, your, in your relationships, The effectiveness directly related to your willing to make a commitment and to stick to that commitment. Professionally, your success, your effectiveness tends to correlate to your level of commitment. Commitment has this way of producing results, and we instinctively recognize and respect commitment in people. Right? It's why we instinctively respect long marriages. Somebody says, we've been married 50 years that means something. We, we, we say, yeah, you've been committed. There are probably a lot of other variables that go into making a marriage last 50 years. Sometimes it's just luck, right? There's a little bit of luck involved as well. But we respect, we immediately recognize when somebody has exhibited commitment over time. Same thing in the work environment. Somebody who met with a series of setbacks or failures, but they persevered, they continued, they were committed, and then they begin to see results. We love those stories. We love the story of the person who persevered, the person who was committed. We teach our kids this, right? This is one of the lessons we teach our kids. You got to have commitment. You got to stick with it. You got to persevere. Teenagers, we tell teenagers all the time, you got to honor your commitments. You got to stick with it. You you have to persevere. We, We know that commitment is not only important, but it is the pathway to fruit and effectiveness. Same thing is true in our spiritual life. In our spiritual life, our growth, our deepening relationship often comes down to that word. Just how much are we willing to commit to the things of God? How much of our life are we willing to fully surrender over to him? David is writing in Psalm chapter 37, verse 5, and David writes, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. In other words, there's going to be fruit from this. You're going to see results from this. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Commit your way to the Lord again and again and again. The word commit in Hebrew, it comes from kind of a picturesque word that means to roll, like to roll aside or roll away. 
the picture David is going for is like you have to roll your commitment off of yourself, off of just your wants and just your dreams and just your ideas. Those may not necessarily be wrong, but ultimately your greatest commitment has to roll off of you over onto what God wants for your life. God, I'm going to release this to you. I'm going to roll this over to you. I'm going to trust my life, my future to you. Commitment's an interesting word these days. I sometimes get in discussions with people who say, you know, people just aren't committed today like they used to be, like whenever used to be was. They're just not committed today. And my initial impression is to agree. Like my initial response is, you're right. People really aren't committed. But come on, if, you, if we think about that very long, you and I know people are still committed to the things they want to be committed to. Like everybody's committed to the things they want to be committed to. Just like time, I don't have enough time. We make time for the things that are most important to us. And what David would say is, look, God's got to be important to you. Your relationship with Jesus, your spiritual growth, your spiritual life, that's got to be important enough to you that it comes first, that you roll your commitment over on to God. Commit your way to the Lord. Now, David writes this psalm, and I'll mention this later. David writes this psalm in the middle of a very stressful time. So he's not like on vacation saying, whoo, commit your way to the Lord. His life isn't going great. If you read the whole psalm, he's facing pressure. Uh, he's facing attacks. There are people that are turning against him. In the middle of the hard times, not just the easy times, in the middle of the difficulties of life, especially in the difficulties of life, commit everything to the Lord. Roll your commitment over to the Lord. Um, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I know I don't look that old, like some of you thought 31. I, I have conscious <laughs> memories of this. That was way too big of a laugh. I have conscious memories of the 70s. I was a kid in the 70s, got to my teen years by the early to mid uh, 80s. Here's the thing about the 70s. Uh, we didn't have helmets. We didn't have knee pads, elbow pads. Uh, our seat belt was our parents' arm right after they slammed on brakes. Like right before your head got to the dashboard, your parents' arm smacked you across and, and held you in place. I, I grew up in the era, this is funny to think about, I grew up in the era when there were smoking sections on airplanes. Like you're in this little tube, and that's the smoking section, and this is the non-smoking section. So some of you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're a product of the 70s uh, or the 80s, and, and we, probably, we probably all have some brain damage from that, right? We probably, because, especially guys... And, and maybe girls, as God, we just did stupid things. Like we did stupid things. And kids today do stupid things, but they have helmets and, and elbow pads, and, and they're padded, and they have cautious parents. And our parents told us, don't come back till it's dark, right? They had no idea what we were doing and didn't give us any helmets. If you were a guy during that age, you're probably like me. Uh, you had a bike, and the thing you loved to do most with your bike was jump ramps. You would build a ramp, and you would head towards it, and you would get with all your buddies, and you would build it like a couple of concrete blocks, a 
a piece of uh, dry rotted wood and you would just pop that thing down and here we go and and your friends would dare you and make fun of you until you decided to to jump the ramp and 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 if you've had that experience if you 70s 80s riding down the hill no helmet towards the ramp you remember there is a specific go no-go point right there's a go no-go point there's a point where you can bypass the ramp and come back build up your courage and try again and you some of you can feel this i bet some of you guys are like me you can feel there's that moment where you pass the go no go and you are committed right you are in it's you in the ramp and you're going over that ramp one way or the other you're going to come off it doesn't matter you flew past the moment you could have bailed out and you are locked in at that moment now see i think that's an illustration of what david is saying stop stop this go no go with god stop thinking well maybe i'm in maybe i'm out maybe next time i come down the hill i'll be all about god but right now i'm gonna step out david's like no roll towards it roll towards that ramp faster and faster surrender to what god wants for you let him have his way in your life in the movie scott calvin's um he he has uh, kind of a, a transformation he, he, he kind of goes through a, a change and that change begins with a commitment it starts with a with saying yes to something now here's the thing about commitments great commitments often start with small commitments very few people start with big commitment most people start with little commitments and they build up jumping ramps was this way right those of you 70s people you start with one brick and you get comfortable bouncing over that and you put two bricks and you get more comfortable and you get a concrete block and it just gets big, bigger and bigger and you gain confidence every time you make that commitment and you don't die right you just, I'm, I'm here i got it great commitments in our life rarely start with a great commitment they start with small commitment you saying yes you saying yeah in your spiritual life you saying yes to jesus you saying yes god i'm going to obey you i'm going to follow you this small yes is going to lead to a bigger yes is going to lead to a, a bigger yes and i'm i'm go i'm never no go i'm go with god and i'm rolling towards that uh, in the movie um uh, scott calvin's uh new identity this bigger commitment that he accepted it started with a, a simple yes it started with a a simple commitment uh, scott's son is going to be spending the night with him on christmas eve scott gets off of work late he actually gets out of a work christmas party really late and finally gets his son they get home he burns dinner it's kind of a the whole thing's a disaster christmas eve's absolute disaster until in the middle of the night scott's son hears something up on the roof and this is what happens hey you what's up
You should just stay still. Perfect. You got him! Barely stay where you are. Charlie, would you listen to me? Stay up there. Did not, and he's not Santa. Well, he was. He's got some ID on him, I bet. Fella, if you can hear me, I'm just looking for identification. Once you figure out who you are, I'll, I'll give you a lift back to the mall. If something should happen to me, put on my suit, the reindeer will know what to do. Yeah, right. Scott decides to put on the suit. Just one decision, one step. Okay, I'll do this for one night. Gets in the sleigh. The reindeer take him around, grabs the bag. It floats him down the chimney. It fills up every time. He does the job of Santa, not quite as well as Santa would have done it, but he gets the job done, thinking, okay, I did the thing. I made the one commitment. But instead of taking him back home, the reindeer take him to the North Pole, and Scott learns there's more to the commitment he made than what he originally thought. Next clip. Look, I am not Santa Claus. Ah. Did you or did you not read the card? Yeah, I read the card. Then you're the new Santa. And putting on the hat and jacket, you accepted the contract. What contract? The card in the Santa suit. You said you read it, right? So when you put on the suit, he fell subject to the Santa Claus. Here. The Santa Claus? Oh, you mean the guy that fell off my roof? No, no, no. Not Santa Claus the person. Santa Claus the clause. What? Look, you're a businessman, right? Yeah. Okay. A clause as in the last line of a contract. You got the card? Yeah. Okay, look. The Santa Claus. And putting on the suit and entering the sleigh, the wearer waves any and all rights to any previous identity, real or implied, and fully accepts the duties and responsibilities of Santa Claus in perpetuity until such time that wearer becomes unable to do so by either accident or design. What does that mean? It means you put on the suit, you're the big guy. You put on the suit, you're the big guy. This is what you signed up for. You didn't realize it at first, but this is what you signed up for a small commitment i'll put on the suit bigger commitment you're now the big guy look for most of us our initial commitment to jesus looking back probably seems like a somewhat small commitment you didn't understand everything about everything you didn't understand all of the theology and background and history of the bible you couldn't explain everything you made a very simple commitment. You knew that you were a sinner and you needed the salvation and grace that God offered. You recognized that Jesus came, lived and died and rose again for you. There was a lot about it. You didn't even know to question. 
You didn't even have the right questions to ask early on. You just trusted. You just believed. You just stepped across that line. It was a very simple, straightforward commitment. But this is what Jesus does. Jesus is always drawing us into a deeper relationship with him. He's always drawing us into more of himself. He doesn't have fine print. It's not bait and switch. It's Jesus saying, I have more for you if you'll keep walking towards me. I have more to do in your life if you will fully commit your life to me. When Jesus called his first disciples, he had a very simple invitation. Come follow me. Come follow me. Just, just come, fo- come be with me. Walk around with me. Listen to me. And 12 guys responded to that, as well as others around him. Women and other men responded to that. We want to follow you. We want to follow you. And as they were around Jesus and they heard him teach and they watched what he did, eventually Jesus turned to them and said, now, I want you to go do that. Here's the next level of command. I want you to go teach. I I, I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to heal people. I, I want you to minister to people. I want you to care about people. Here, I want you to take another step. And, and then at one point, this come follow me invitation became Jesus turning to his disciples and saying, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. You have to surrender everything. Again, Jesus isn't trying to deceive us Jesus is trying to draw us into more of himself, draw us into a deeper, more faithful, more committed relationship with him. And that's what he's doing to you today. Wherever you are in your spiritual relationship, Jesus is always saying, let's go farther. Let's let's commit deeper. Let's surrender more into your relationship with Christ. Uh, This is a... This is a time of year where we reflect, like this is one of those annual uh, seasons where we kind of look back on the past season. This Christmas, you'll kind of reflect a little bit on what last Christmas was like or what Christmases in the past were like. And if you don't do it at Christmas, you certainly do it the week after Christmas. Most of us, New Year's rolls around and, and we're doing some reflecting. We're thinking back to last year and Maybe goals you set last year and how are you doing? You're, you're comparing this to that. What did I do over this past year? Anybody, anybody explore their Spotify wrapped of the last uh, week or two? Here are all the things you listened to over the last year. Yeah, we're, we're reflective on how life went, what we did. Here's a question for us in light of today's topic. Where's your commitment to Christ this year compared to last Christmas? Like where you were walking with with Christ, surrendered to Christ. Are you at a, a deeper commitment level with him? Have you taken some steps forward? Have you surrendered some things this Christmas that maybe you hadn't surrendered last Christmas? Do you trust him more? Do you follow him more? Are you obeying him more? Are you growing more? Are you loving better because of Christ this Christmas than last year? Are you forgiving better this Christmas than last Christmas because of the work that Jesus is doing in your life? Because here's, here, here's the truth. Here's, here's the true principle. A deeper commitment like that, it changes us. It changes us. Like the closer we walk with Jesus... The more we continually renew this commitment to him, when Jesus speaks and we obey, when we 
when we step into hard places with the grace of Jesus, maybe hard places we didn't think we could step into before, but God uses us in those places, it starts to change us. It starts to change who we're becoming. It starts to change our identity. You could say it this way. Believing leads to becoming. Believing in Jesus leads to becoming more like Jesus. As a matter of fact, this is kind of a this is kind of a good evaluation of our believing. If I say I believe and I'm not becoming like Jesus, do I really believe? If I say I'm committed to Jesus, but the the person of Jesus, the characteristics of Jesus, things Jesus would say, the way Jesus would view the world, how Jesus would interact with other people. If that's not true of me, then maybe I don't believe like I think I believe. Maybe I'm not committed in the way that I think I'm committed because believing leads to becoming. As In the movie, as Scott continues this new role, as he begins believing that he has a new identity, he's becoming a new person, he begins to change. Watch this. smoke, some big chemical fire, all my clothes, poop, gone. God, you, you wait. What happened? Beasting. Evidently, I'm allergic. Almost killed me. But the guy at the emergency room says the swelling will go down. I hope. So, did I miss anything? No, we were uh, just about to order lunch. Great! I'm starving. Uh, the salad and iced tea and dressing on the side. Uh, pasta and tomatoes uh, and very light on the oil. Can you do that? And I'll have a Caesar, no dressing. And one of those homemade cookies, a warm chocolate chip, no nuts. And uh, a little slice of cheesecake, uh, creme brulee, and a uh, hot fudge sundae. Extra hot fudge. On the side. <laughs> okay, maybe that's not the best example of changing. But this is what happens in us as we follow after Christ. We, we begin to be different. We, we begin to look and sound and walk with him in a different way. Our actions begin to reflect him. Our, our, our level of compassion begins to reflect his heart. Who we see of Jesus in the Gospels begins to take root in us. We become more like him. And as in the clip, we aren't the only ones who notice. Other people notice the results of commitment. Really across the board in any area, but certainly when it comes to spiritual matters. Other people begin to notice changes in us. From the person we used to be to the person that Christ is forming us into. 
the way we used to react, the way we used to speak. What used to be most important to us, it begins to evolve, it begins to change because we've rolled our commitment over to Christ now. He is first and foremost in our lives. Here's maybe a better example of people noticing the change. noticed right he didn't have a shirt on that said i'm santa ask me what you want for christmas he didn't advertise it they just they just knew you look like him you must be him you know what's beautiful in the world is when when believers maybe they don't wear a t-shirt maybe they don't go around saying all the time i'm a christian i'm on this side you're on that side but people just look at them and go you look like him Maybe they don't use those words. You sound like him. You love like him. You speak as Jesus would speak. I sense Jesus when I'm with you. This is what surrendering our lives, committing our lives to Christ does. It begins to change us, and people begin to notice different things in your life. You begin to sound different, look different, live different. Now, the interesting thing about this commitment that, that David says we're to have for the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Let's just remember that before you or I could commit our way to the Lord, God had committed himself to us. This isn't a one-way street where God is saying, you're supposed to obey me all the time and you're supposed to commit to me and God is unconcerned with us. God, in the most incredible way possible committed himself fully to us this this is really part of what we celebrate on christmas christmas is god demonstrating his commitment to you and i by coming in the form of a of a child humble and vulnerable this was god's commitment to the world my son is going to come. He's going to walk among you. He's going to live among you. And ultimately, he's going to die for you and rise again. This was the level of God's commitment to you. Before you ever thought of committing your life to God, God had already committed himself to you. Because he loves you. Because he wants to redeem us from our sins. Because he wants to set us on a new and better way of following Jesus. Commit your way to the Lord is not a one-way street. It's only giving back to God what he's already given to us. The complete commitment of himself in Jesus. 
how. I want to mention one other aspect of the movie, and it's somewhat unrelated to where we've been. Part of the theme of the movie, and, and the theme of a lot of movies, and the theme of a, a lot of Christmas movies, um, is that uh, Scott is divorced from his wife, his wife has moved on, has a, has a new husband, and that whole negotiation of how blended families get through the holidays. And, and I didn't show any clips of that, primarily because the way it's shown in the movie is very stereotypical, which is fine, but it's kind of like the, the Hollywood comedy stereotypical of that circumstance. It's often used as a form for Tim Allen's character's humor, which is fine. I don't expect comedies to deal with serious issues, quite honestly. It doesn't bother me. I hope it doesn't bother you. But it wasn't reflective, I don't think, of lived reality for the blended families who are here or, or who are watching us online. But, but, I, but I know that for some of you, this is a season where you're negotiating drop-offs and pickups and times and schedules and when and who and how. And, and, and there's so many in our church, and I, and I know your hearts, and you're doing the best you can this season to do the right thing and the fair thing, the thing that is best for the child, whether or not in some cases the other side is working as hard at that as you are. And I would imagine that that can be exhausting. That can be emotionally exhausting. And I don't have any tips for you. I don't. But I want to acknowledge you. I just want to say you are loved and we are so amazed at how you love your family and the links that the commitment that causes you go, to go to great lengths for your kids. And if you are, are not in that situation, that there's no possible way you could know what that is like. But, but some in our church are. And you are loved and you are seen if that is you. We, we wish we knew better how to encourage you, but we are in awe of your love and commitment for your family. Or, or maybe you're a single parent. Maybe you're a single parent this Christmas and, and, and the weight of just about everything is on you. And you're, again, trying to make it work and, and you're dealing with the emotions that you have over over the situation and, and maybe in the quietness when nobody else is looking you shed some tears because you don't want anybody to see that we love you we, we love you maybe you're a foster parent <clears throat> and you're dealing with layers of tension as well from um, how do I care best for my biological kids and care for my foster kids um, that tension of somebody else's child is with us this Christmas. How would I feel if my child was with somebody else? If, if you didn't read Angela's devotion in our Christmas devotion this week, go back. It's this past week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. Go back and find it, and it'll, it'll enlighten you 
as to that tension that is there. Maybe there are people with, without kids for a variety of different reasons. And, and, and there's tensions and, and emotions that go with that as well. <clears throat> what I'm saying is, if you don't fit the parents plus 2.5 kids that seems to be the predominant image at Christmas, it's okay, and you are loved, and we are blessed to know you, and I want to encourage you to let you know that we want to acknowledge you, and we're grateful for you, and we love the, the, the tedious, emotional, grinding work, perhaps, that you are doing. I, I mentioned that psalm, Psalm 37, it, it, those words about committing, they're birthed out of a hard place in David's life. I want to pick up the verses right before it. Psalm 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. It may not feel that way for some of you right now. Trust in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. He, he's making your righteousness shine like the dawn. You, it, it may not be very bright right now. You, you may not see it yet. God is at work in the hard places of our life are the ordinary places, the mundane places, the places where your Christmas isn't quite like anybody else's Christmas. The places where your Christmas, our Christmases may not be the way we want it. God is there. I mean, that's a good God to, to commit to. The God who sees every situation and every person and every emotion and has committed himself to you like I said before you ever committed to him he committed to you before you ever thought of surrendering to him he surrendered his life for you on Calvary as we close we're going to remember we're going to remember that commitment that God had for us by sharing the Lord's Supper. For Christmas, yes, is about a birth, but it's about a life that would be lived and a life that would be given away for our sins. That he would one day die for us and he would rise again, claiming victory over everything that could harm us. And as we enter into Christmas, it just seems right that we would take a moment and remember this is why he came this is why he's worthy of our surrender this is why he's worthy of our commitment because he's committed to you whatever Christmas looks like for you this year he is committed to you on the night he was betrayed Jesus took bread and he broke it and he said this, this is my body remember me remember then he took the cup and he blessed it. He said, all of you drink from this. This is, this is my blood. It's going to be poured out for you. It's going to make a way for us to be reunited to our Heavenly Father.
going to pray. The, the band's going to lead us. And I would invite you, there are two tables at the front. There's a table in the back. And if you want to celebrate this moment with us, just come to one of the tables. There's bread. And just dip the end of it into the cup and take that and remember his commitment to you. If you'd rather take an individual cup, there's some of those and, and celebrate this at your seat, that's perfectly fine. But as the band begins to sing, I'd invite you to move to one of these tables. Take a minute. Remember how much God loves you. God, thank you that you never give up on us. You never walk away. You are at work in us and for us and with us, changing us more and more into the person that we could be, the person we should be, the person you want us to be. We don't always recognize it immediately, but you make us more like you. We pause on this day to remember the commitment you made to us in the person of Jesus who was born and lived and died and rose again that we might be set free from our sins. Thank you. In Jesus' name.